0: Hello, hello. Just me this week. If you can believe it, we've actually hit the end of season one. Ten episodes. Everyone keeps saying to me that it's gone really fast. I've had this podcast idea on the back burner for literally years, so it's felt a really long time coming for me. We're taking a break. Going to get lined up for season two, but before that, I just wanted to talk about the episodes to me that's the whole point is kind of sparking debate and conversation and there's been a lot of that online across all the socials in the messages so i really want to share that and share people's opinions and share that debate that doesn't descend into kind of like aggro twitter threads is really cool and just want to share some new points of view and things we didn't touch on in the episode so i'm going to read them out the good the bad and the ugly So let's get into it. Let's start with episode 1 which was taking interview tasks to task. So I heard from a couple of people who are actually job hunting at the moment and had like previously felt a little bit uncomfortable with the ask and now they'd after listening to the episode have sort of said actually I think that's a red flag. So that's cool some people have decided that they feel negatively about them. A couple of people sharing stories about design tasks that they were asked to do Uh, someone had to do a whole rebrand and roll out which is just insane Um, nice positive story someone had a task for their current job which was really it was really up front in the interview process it was a mammoth though two days of work they got the job and now they're on the inside they've helped simplify the ask so now the task just takes two hours Got a kind of contrasting point of view here. A creative director of a smaller agency got in touch and said that to them, tasks are absolutely vital. They'd been burned in the past. People who have like amazing portfolios, but their day-to-day work didn't quite reflect the stuff they'd seen. Um, And then they thought it was a win-win because the candidate gets to see what it's like to work with them too. So we didn't say that in the episode. Thought that was really interesting. Heard this a lot. Isn't it the same as free pitching? if we say no to doing that for clients then we can't ask people to free pitch to us so that was just some of the stuff we heard on episode one episode two let the working class in wow (laughs) of all the episodes i think this might be the one that sparked the most debate i think so many people felt really seen after hearing the stories which was really cool uh, loads of stories about things that people tripped up over, not knowing what a cafetiere was or why their soup was cold at an awards due. And a few people just saying they felt like they had to actually act more privileged than they were. And some nice positivity that people that are from a working class background feel like in their agency, they're doing more. So things like paying the living wage. But if that's you, I'd love to hear what kind of stuff that you're implementing now that you've come from that background. The question about, are you still working class, sent a few people into a class crisis. So I'm really sorry about that. Uh, existential. That's what we like to do here is ask existential questions. A couple of people said that there was a very white Northern skew, which is bang on. Uh, some of the stories that I read out weren't from those backgrounds. They were much broader experiences. So I can't say that when I'm reading them out. Not everyone is in a position to go public with their opinion like that or with stories. There's a there's a real privilege in being able to be opinionated. So I guess I just wanted to say that, but I so understand that it was very, from a very singular point of view. Just as a general note for guests over the whole series, I've been using the DICE Charter to ensure that NDA is inclusive. They have some amazing parameters. It's actually based on events, um, but that's a, like, if you haven't heard of them, go and check that out. I'll actually leave a link so you can go and see exactly what that means. Um, but yeah, back to the kind of northern skew. People saying there was a real lack of representation from London or other parts of the country, um, and that maybe that perpetuates the idea you can't be working class and come from the capital. Only a couple of people said that to me, but I thought I thought that was interesting and, and honestly not something I'd thought of. Um, but then on the flip side of that, I had way more people saying that they hear from people from the capital a lot. So many people loving just hearing a massive Northern accents, Uh, So yeah, there's just lots, there's lots to kind of unpack there. It could be my poor naming of the episode, to be honest, because the topic's so big, working class barriers, and there's no way we could have covered every single working class person in the industry and their experience. Maybe it could have been more specific about being from up north. I think there's a topic in the geographical divide there anyway. So yeah super interesting, no answers, just wanted to relay all the things that people thought. So, 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 so many people want to be involved on this topic. So definitely going to do a part two, definitely going to have some different points of view. Let me know if there's another way you want to get into that. Like I said, perhaps I should have broken it down a little bit more, been a bit more specific. So how else could we approach it? And if you want to be involved, let me know. So that was a big one. Episode three, Death by Comments. A lot of people loved Liv's take at the end about how more people commenting on design means that the pool of people that care about design grows. I think that I hadn't thought about that from that point of view until Liv said that. So that really resonated. thought this was really interesting. Someone saying they didn't have a design background, so commenting was a way that they could feel like they were participating in the industry, even though they knew nothing about it and they didn't feel like they were very good. Um, So whether it's a kind of confidence thing. So that was kind of interesting. People saying that anyone who leaves comments don't understand the brief or the process, so the comments aren't valid, which is a pretty big broad brush statement there. Brand is much deeper than the final visual. We never discuss the reasons, only the outcome. I would kind of push back on that and say, if you read the full review, then you do get a bit of context, but maybe agencies could do more to explain the process. Everyone always says we love to see whip, right, and work in progress, but how often do we actually see that stuff? I've learned more from the negative comments than anything else, which is essentially, I guess, being open to criticism and parking our own ego can make our work better. This was pretty intense. Um, The public discourse is good, but Brand New is built on goading a reaction and not actually celebrating good work. There were some really, really harsh comments on this and on the why Brand New exists, which I know Armin's probably really used to. If they're not constructive or worded in a way that isn't just vicious, um, then I'm not going to give them any airtime, I'm afraid. We only have constructive, contrasting opinions here on NDA. So episode four, moving on up to management, lots and lots of stories about bad management here. I'm not going to read them all because I think I read quite a few in the episode, but there were a few where people talking about they had two managers and they kind of were giving opposite feedback about career progression goals and such. I think the roles plays into that a little bit, having a DD and having a CD and then them both having an opinion and how much autonomy you have as a designer to kind of push back when they're conflicting. Um, And someone's saying it's like an example of communication in the studio, which is bang on. Uh, I love this point and we didn't touch on this at all, which probably says that I should have had someone from client services on this episode um, or someone that's on the kind of strategic side of the business or the running of the business. Job titles and salaries are influenced by what you can charge the client for that role. So if you have a CD, I guess, on a project who's overseeing for a couple of hours a day versus a CD that's on the tools, which might be like 100% or 90% of the day, it's obviously so much more expensive. So you have to think about not only what we're paying people in these roles, but what we can charge them out to clients as and the effect that has on project budgets. So there's something in there. I haven't quite decided what kind of episode that could look like yet, but thought that was just a good point. And then to talk about Maisie's point about splitting off between kind of like design lead and design director, a few people saying you can kind of cap out in that design lead role, like there's a ceiling. So there's only so much that you can pay someone. There's only so much you can charge the client because moving into management means you're kind of sharing your experience and your wisdom, I guess. So maybe you're not adding any more value. So really good points on that one. Epidemic education episode five I had so many lecturers getting in touch saying they're sharing this to their students so thanks for that that's so lovely look we had a really positive skew on the episode I didn't think that that's the way it was going to go um, perhaps there's an element of rose tinting I don't know I think I read out a couple of bits in the episode but it is important to say again that a few people were not as positive about their experience and There was a lot of variation across different universities. Something we didn't talk about, again, was that chance to make connections and collaboration. And a lot of people, I think, start studios or find their kind of partners in university. And that opportunity wasn't as obvious. So I thought that was kind of interesting The other thing was that students that have been through the pandemic and were educated during the epidemic work much better in silo and they're not as team friendly. So if that's been your experience, I'd love to know. But also that those graduates are actually at the forefront, like education changed, but how we work changed as well. So arguably they're actually the best prepped for the new world and the new industry that we find ourselves in. So, hope all the grads are doing well out there. Shout out to you. Episode six, salary secrecy and lies. Knew this was going to be a contentious one. Lots of stories. Um, Had someone share that they got told from a female accountant of a studio they were at to leave. Because all the other male designers at the same level were on considerably more money than them. So... This was not really a new point, but I just thought really cool. Someone got in touch as a mature designer, 55, if you call that mature, you could also call it very wise, and said that they found some of the views really challenging, transparency in particular, but that they really enjoyed it and they were kind of reflecting on why they feel the way they feel. So just love that, people kind of reflecting and challenging themselves and hearing another point of view. So super positive a few people sharing how they're kind of actioning transparency in the studio, saying that actually still not everyone's comfortable with it. So that kind of blanket approach that Kat has might work for a new studio, but it really falls apart perhaps in existing studios. I don't know if anyone's done that uh, and you want to share your experience on that. That would be really cool. But people saying that providing bands so people can see like a band that they exist within, so it's not necessarily so specific, Um, and also that they can kind of relate that to experience. So if you've got two years experience, you're on something to something um, slightly vaguer. So maybe not transparent, more translucent salary. Someone else actually kind of pushing against what I just said, salary shouldn't be about your age and how long you've been working, should be rewarded by level of responsibility, quality of work, and just generally your attitude in the studio. Someone asking if people are willing to share their profits and their dividend payouts. Someone actually asked Kat that on LinkedIn and she said that they do. But if you're transparent, do you share the business information as well and how the business finances are? Could be deemed as a slippery slope because if the team knows how the business is performing, either in a good way or in a bad way, how does that impact how they feel and the responsibility on their shoulders? So that feels like a kettle of fish. And a few people actually shared their salary after listening to the episode. So big up to you, people. We love to see it. Episode seven, Walk Like a Man, again, so, so, so many stories. I actually found the few days after this episode kind of tricky, and I turned my phone on to Do Not Disturb to take a bit of a break because While the authenticity and the honesty of these stories um, is amazing and people feeling happy to share, I think sometimes feel like the NDA DMs are a super safe place, which they are. But yeah, I found the kind of emotional burden after that episode pretty full on. So I'm not going to read all the negative experiences because I'd love to reframe this episode as how are we making changes rather than just focusing on where we've been. Even though that's very important in that context, and validating those experiences is, is is super important. So, a couple of those: someone saying they had a female manager who felt the need to talk louder than all the than all the men in the team, and also told her she needed to toughen up. So, very clear example of someone trying to walk like a man. A lot of people saying that they're called defensive when they're trying to stand their ground um, and that they never heard a male being spoken to in that way. Talking about Jack's name, someone saying that she'd always wish she had a more androgynous name and thought she'd have a better chance of getting a job. Just sad. And unrelated, I was chatting to another designer from Poland who said that they wished that they had a name that was more, I'm not sure the right way to say this, I guess Anglicanized because they felt that Their name being very clearly Polish in its kind of spelling was stopping people from opening their emails and reading their messages. So that's kind of I feel like I'm going to look at how I can do an episode or frame an episode up around around that. Um, someone saying that having been a bit of a tomboy for most of their life they found that being one of the lads has really worked in their favour and helped them kind of become part of the crew and the studio and move on Um, but then in other situations has left them feeling kind of like on the outside maybe with the other women in the team so many people saying that they were listening and literally replying to all the stories so someone's telling a story and they're like chiming in 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 return so I'm sorry we couldn't hear you and then I thought this was just like such a good point. And if we revisit this episode, maybe framed up in a different way, it's important to have a, a male point of view on that. And it it's important really to have a male point of view on this topic. We kind of said that it's not just up to, to women in order to kind of have these conversations. So how can I revisit this? Tell me. And if you're a man who wants to, to talk on this um, and um, share your point of view, then... Reach out. Episode eight, CMYK, RGB, ADHD. One of my favorite episode titles. Uh, La, so many people got in touch on this episode. Thank you so much for the love on this one. I think I kind of shared that I was not nervous, but really wanted to make it a positive experience for the guests. So, people sharing some other things that they struggle with in studios. So, I was like, I'm going to relay some of this. So, if you're listening and you're neurotypical I'm doing air quotes there that we kind of know some of these these other barriers people saying they really struggle to retain information so they rely really heavily on written briefs and visual cues is everyone still doing that creating written briefs or are we just chatting the problem at people I've found I need to digest the info so go away and think and then come back and ask questions but to manage when that can seem like a lack of confidence or like they're not really having a voice in the moment but actually it's just taking a bit of time and working some things out internally. Someone messaged saying that it was quite scary how they connected with so many of the discussion points and that they would never considered that they could possibly be ADHD. Um, a few people kind of said that it had shone a bit of a light on their own working practices and the things that perhaps they struggled on. So If you're exploring a diagnosis off the back of that episode, good luck. Uh, We're really rooting for you, and let us know how you get on. The guests are so, so gorgeous from that episode, so I'm sure they wouldn't mind if you wanted to reach out, chat some more. And then people saying they wouldn't consider themselves neurodiverse, but they could really relate to all the triggers and barriers. Someone else mentioned that they had synesthesia, so I thought that could be a cool topic. Episode 9, The Elusive Inclusive Studio. Someone said that that micro stuff really builds over time and it's hard to recognize. So actually it helped them after a while, they moved out of the industry because it kind of built up and then broke them, which is pretty sad. Someone else saying it should be mandatory listening if if you run or start a studio. We all need to be better at finding our blind spots, so not just leaning into the experiences we can relate to, which is kind of what Aries was saying about creating a good studio for the trans experience, but maybe not for some of those other specific personalities or diverse traits. The awareness is half the battle, so just being um, aware of your own shortcomings, seeing what small changes that you can make that won't affect the majority of the studio but might include a whole group of people. And also a few people saying that they were going to really check their own defensiveness. Something that I've taken from that episode is if someone feels, it feels like someone's criticizing me, what does my defensiveness in response to that do to make that conversation better for either of us? Nothing. And last but not least, episode 10, an award-winning episode. So we knew, we knew this was going to be a contentious one. It's why I left it till the end. We didn't talk that much about the mental health impacts uh, of awards on people and on studios. We ran out of time, honestly, and my episodes are already long as they are. So can we revisit this too? Who knows? Someone's saying, unless you're strong-minded, awards can actually consume people, especially if you already struggle with not feeling good enough or not feeling adequate in the industry. When is it enough after you win one pencil or do you need to be the most awarded agency of the year and then someone else saying that once you've won all those awards do you spend the rest of your career trying to kind of reach that level again and then a really lovely interesting point there's a bit of David and Goliath at play so the feeling of being a really small studio up there with the big studios and those studios that are scattergunning and spending loads of money is pretty cool so in that circumstance is actually awards a little bit of a leveller, which I think that's not very said very often because um, more often it feels like actually awards is kind of filled with barriers and privilege. So that is the wrap-up of season one. Everyone's talking about season two. So I have just like a list of topics as long as my arm that we could cover. Some of the ones that are in the mix and some of the ones that I'm really keen to to discuss and that other people have mentioned is disability, what it's like to be working in-house. If I had a pound for every time someone had messaged me about being an in-house designer, I wouldn't be rich, but I could buy a couple of cinnamon buns in Bath. Ageism, what it's like to come back from maternity or pat leave, getting paid as a freelancer, flexible working, having work copied, being a TikTok designer, being paid for speaking events, bilingual in the studio honestly, there are so many. So if you have anything really specific you want to hear about or a specific angle on any of those topics, because I feel like maybe we could get a little more niche and then I might actually get through all my questions, then let me know. Or if you want to support the podcast in any way for season two, uh, it's just me here. So you know where to find me by now. Reach out. I'm going to obviously say a massive thank you to all the guests, especially the people that put their necks on the line. Like, it's not easy to be opinionated, especially in this current climate where it feels easy to be cancelled. And it's really, really not easy to be a grad or a junior and then join a group of people that have done this sort of thing before. So if you enjoyed an episode, I'd love you to just go and find that guest and actually message them direct and say like loved listening to you um, and just give them a bit of support and encouragement because I really appreciate it And like I mentioned, there's a level of privilege in being able to to say what you really mean with no repercussion. I'd love to read out all the names of everyone who reached out not just to like share their opinion but say how much they've been enjoying it, how much they've appreciated the episodes, Anyone who's retweeted, shared with their own network. Honestly, without that love, I don't know if I'd have kept on grinding. So a personal thank you. Anyone who's listening to this over the speakers in their studio, you're actually my favorite listeners. Like I rate that so much. And then the idea of you pausing and putting the kettle on and and chatting about it. So I love that. And There's some people listening who are outside the creative industry. I had some people from finance all the way to like people from the Ministry of Defence tuning in. How badass. And I guess some of the episodes have quite a lot of crossover. Anyone who's asked for more than one episode a week? That silence should speak volumes. Um, Probably not. Maybe one day when I'm like retired to a vineyard in France, but not in the foreseeable future, I'm afraid. Sorry to disappoint you. It's probably not the coolest thing in the world to thank my husband, but like I mentioned, there's just me here and actually there's him too. So he's listened to every episode in its first draft under his ear defenders in the workshop. So we actually all owe him a thank you. His name's Mike. He'll hate this. Um, and helping me just kind of sense check and edit them so they could be the best they could be. So Team NDA includes him too. This has been my first podcast podcast. I'm hoping you couldn't tell too much. So thanks for sticking with me. I'm not going to say when you can expect season two. So I guess a bit like a Beyonce album, you'll know on the day it drops, unless you're not subscribed, obviously. But in the meantime, please go and find the smaller creators, the new voices and the people without huge platforms to go and listen to them. We talk about all these barriers and how we want to hear from new voices. They're out there. We just need to put in a little bit more work to find them, so let's get out of our own Twitter feeds and give them a chance. I'm Katie Cadwell. This has been NDA. Catch ya!